Hey there, this is Becky Johnson, your host for Eagles, Globes, and Anchors. The pandemic has done a lot of things for people, including disrupt our ability to provide a reliable podcast episode every other week uh, to our valuable listeners. But we are back. We have the kinks worked out. And so every other week, starting today, you'll get new episodes of our podcast to give you the newest updates on what's going on at Marine Corps University, as well as just to spark a discussion, professional discussion about different issues related to the Marine Corps and national security and strategy. So we look forward to restarting our conversation with you all. We appreciate your patience as we try to get the pandemic underhand, and we look forward for your hearing our first episode here today on the newly relaunched Commandant's Professional Reading Program and List. Thank you so much. Welcome to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically-minded podcast of Marine Corps University. Today, we're discussing the Commandant's Professional Reading List, as well as the changes that we see to the new list compared to years past. My guests today are First Sergeant Monica Cervantes from the Lejeune Leadership Institute, which administers the Commandant's Professional Reading Program, Major Ian Brown, Operations Officer at the Krulak Center for Innovation in Future War, as well as one of the authors on this year's list, and Monica Mislowski, Head of the Virtual Library Branch at the Library of the Marine Corps here at Quantico. Ladies, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Before we start our discussion on this year's Commandant's Professional Reading List, can you all give our listeners just a little bit of context or background on the program? When did it start? How is the list developed? And who are the key players who are involved? Good afternoon. So in 1989, General Gray had the first Commandant's Reading List, and he challenged every Marine to read and re-educate themselves within their profession. Fast forward to now, we have had different reviews. Approximately every two years, the list was updated. This past year, what we did was we took all of the nominations that come into the Lejeune Leadership Institute, and we worked with the Brew Krulak Center and the Gray Research Center to identify which books should be on the next list. Great. So this year's list has some pretty serious changes compared to years past. Can you all walk me through that? What were those new changes? Who was affected? What was the logic behind changing the list in the way that you did? Yes. So what we did was we looked at the list and before it used to be broken down into categories by rank. And after reviewing the list and some of the books that were on there several times, we decided to go ahead and align the list to the Commandant's Planning Guidance by removing the ranks and putting more themes in there. And so this way, Marines can choose to read whichever book they want from whichever category. This also allows leaders to have conversations with Marines about books that they're reading and they're not stuck to a certain rank category. That's a great way to motivate professional development in a more holistic way, right? So people can pursue uh, not just topical interest, but if I'm wanting to prepare for more senior leadership, I can maybe move up or move a little deeper into the list as opposed to just focusing on those that are specific to a particular rank. Yes. Major Brown, are there other changes to the list this year? Yes, ma'am. So uh, along with the, you know, there's really a lot of structural changes along with what First Sergeant Cervantes touched on is it's not just sort of the organization of the list, but the size has been shrunk down significantly. I think it's about a 50% reduction compared to the 2019 reading list. 
and, and there, there's logic to that, which I think uh, we'll probably go into a little bit more talking about some of the reasons. But, you know, for, for one thing that, you know, as First Sergeant said, that does make it a little more manageable. And it also increases the odds that, you know, if you want to have a professional discussion with your Marines, you're not reading from, you know, totally disaggregated categories. You're actually reading the same thing and you can approach the same thing from your various perspectives. And having a smaller central list lets you do that. Although I'd also note that the number of books in terms of printed material has gone down, but there's been a significant expansion in sort of digital and non-traditional content that's on there. Uh, one of the pages on the new website is extras, and that covers everything from podcasts to digital journals. And this is something that I think a few years ago, the Mar admins on the reading list kind of started digging away at that by recommending exploring digital things outside of the list. But there were not a lot of suggestions there on where, where Marines could go to do that. This list has those suggestions. Um, and that's one of the things from the Krulak Center side that we helped contribute was, you know, with the, the many different, um, you know, networks of military thinkers and other schools and other podcasts and digital commentators out there. There's a tremendous wealth of digital, non-printed, on-paper material out there. And this new reading program really captures that. That's awesome. And I've been my own personal opinion popping up. I've been advocating for this for years because it seems like while there are books that are valuable for Marines or for anyone to to digest for their professional development, there are whole other types of media out there that contribute to important professional growth and learning. And Ms. Meslowski, as the head of the virtual library branch, can you talk a little bit more about this? What drove this change for the expansion into digital and auditory realms? Sure. You know, like Major Brown says, you know, the, the odds that someone is going to pick up a book and give it a try absolutely increase when you have a digital component to it. But I think it's also important to note that people learn in different ways. Even though I'm a librarian, and I hate to say it, not everybody likes to read, but some <laughs> people do like to listen. And we, we really tried to choose as many titles that had an audio component to it to, to increase those touch points where Marines can access these books, you know, whether they're listening to it when they're PTing or commuting, that's a big thing in the, in the DC area. <laughs> so that was definitely one of the considerations, different learning styles and preferences. Yeah. I listen to a lot of uh, audible and a lot of podcasts going up and down 95 every day. That's for sure. So what were the driving force for this change? Was it just that collectively the Lejeune Leadership Institute, Krulak Center, people realized this is just how people are accessing information today? Or did the commandant himself say, I want us to broaden the aperture of what we recommend or direct Marines to view for their professional development? How did these changes come about? For Sergeant Cervantes, yeah, you might be the person best positioned to answer that. Thank you. So it was a combination of, of everything. We looked at the Commandant's planning guidance and looked at where he wanted the force to go and what he was asking us to do. So we wanted to modernize the way that we look at education and have those leadership discussions. We also looked at, we worked really closely with the Brew Krulak Center in regards to those podcasts that were mentioned and what they're doing and how innovation takes place into the Commandant's reading list. And then the Gray Research Center helped tremendously with identifying books that would be available to Marines in different formats and just really helping to choose books and themes that were not on there before. So we tailored the categories, one, to match the Commandant's planning guidance, but also to make sure that we were offering books that 
reached all different types of demographics of Marines, but still had relevance to the Marine Corps. So they're not all going to be on history or strategy. There are some books on resiliency. There are books that touch many different subjects that Marines can choose whatever they're interested in. I think it's a great point that the Commandant's Reading List or the program has been in place for a long time, and it has been a requirement for a long time. But I see this as you all are characterizing this change. It's a bit of a shift away from an eat your spinach to a there are ways for you to grow and learn and actually enjoy the process. And this reminds me of the new MCDP7 that is focused on a lifelong commitment to learning and improvement and approaching the process of learning as something that is organic and internally driven. You know, by that I mean... I'm going to listen to this podcast or pick up this book or watch this video on this topic because I internally am motivated to do so. And it also happens to be a good way for me to get credit toward promotion or toward my fit rep vice. I am being told, directed from somebody outside of myself that I have to do this regardless of whether I might want to or find it enjoyable or find it beneficial. So this seems like some really important innovation in the program overall, and particularly the sorts of books that are on the list. So hopefully if you are a Marine and you have been dreading doing your annual requirements to read your books on the Commandant's Professional Reading List, hopefully you will see that there are some changes this year and you might find that process a little more enjoyable. What's new on the list, aside from the podcast, The Multimedia, what's new on the list that we haven't seen in previous versions? My personal favorite uh, that's new on the list and, and one that I think that a lot of Marines will be excited to read is White Donkey, <laughs> famous graphic novel. By the famous Terminal Lance. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not something that would have been on the list 20 years ago. But I think now, you know, the Marine Corps is evolving, you know, newer generations are coming up. And that was one of the titles that we included when we decided to retire some of the older titles. I mean, some of them have been on the list for 20 years. So we thought it's time to find something that's going to speak to younger generation, something that's going to get them excited, something that might shock them. I remember the rifle range and boot camp that used to tell us make bold adjustments. And when I read this graphic novel, I thought this, this has got to be on the list. So I'm glad the commandant proved it. There are a lot of great titles on there, a lot of great leadership titles, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, uh, You Are Worth It by Kyle Carpenter, another book by a former Marines, After Action, Dan Sheehan. Uh, and like the, the first sergeant said, we, we tried to select titles that are from a lot of diverse backgrounds, made sure that we had some you know, military authors in there, and some things that will spark some thought people and kind of get the conversation going, like you had said. I think that all sounds great. And just a teaser for our listeners, we've uh, already reported a podcast episode with Max Uriarte from Terminal Lance, who wrote White Donkey, and that'll be airing here in a couple of weeks. So, Monica, you had mentioned that there are some books that had been just mainstays on the reading list for a couple of decades that have cycled off this time. What are some of those books? Well, the, the one that sparks the most conversation on Twitter, as Major Brown can probably support me with, is Once an Eagle, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of my favorites. It causes a lot, a lot of controversy. This book is too long. It has a, you know, some great you know, leadership points. And don't get me wrong, I think it's, it's a classic. 
it was on the list for quite some time, but we didn't feel that that kind of a book spoke to, you know, the 20 year old PFC or, or the Lance Corporal that may not be interested in World War II history. Maybe they're interested in, you know, more contemporary battles or contemporary stories. So it was often a difficult choice to make, but there are a lot of great books out there, a lot of great literature, biographies, autobiographies. And I think we owe it to the, to the Marines to expose them to new sources of information and, and stories that might you know, influence them or, or their career or help them grow. The books that were on the, the list for, for so many years are fantastic. You know, Sun Tzu, Art of War, but it's not the it's not the end all. And and out of the millions of books that you can find on online or or in any library, there's a lot more out there that, that we wanted to expose Marines to, to to get them curious about about what's going on in, in life and what other people have experienced. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And cycling off the list at this particular iteration. One, does it mean that Marines can't read these other good, phenomenal books that are mainstays of the profession? Or that, two, those books might not find themselves back on the list at a future date? This is just where where we've decided to prioritize, where the Commandant has decided to prioritize uh, for the moment. So you all mentioned a little bit an effort to connect the reading list to the Commandant's planning guidance and force design Tell me a little bit more about how this revised program links to broader changes across the Marine Corps. In what ways is this helping to prepare Marines for this fairly significant shift that we've been seeing over the past couple of years? Yes, ma'am. So uh, both Ms. Mislowski and First Sergeant Cervantes have kind of touched on this, but there's a lot of reasons why these decisions support the, the emphasis in the CPG and force design you know, one is going back to the the CPG has some very specific themes in it that the Commandant has, you know, emphasized in his public pronouncements and has continued to emphasize since he's been in the seat. And those are things like great power competition, refocusing on China as the pacing threat in the South China Sea, and then some other sort of maybe less less traditional things, but that have gotten more focused in recent years, like talent management. That's a big thing. So what the new list does is that it hones in on those things and it emphasizes them in how it's reorganized the different titles, but it also actually sort of increases the odds you will read those things that the Commandant has emphasized. You know, when you shrink the list down from 100 titles to 50 titles, you know, by accident, you're already increasing the odds that, you know, a Marine will read something that aligns with what the Commandant wants you to think about. And as, uh, as Ms. Wazowski kind of mentioned there, you know, the classic titles on there, you know, the, the history student in me, might die a little bit inside because we're not reading any more about Rommel's view on infantry tactics in World War One or studying the Blitzkrieg. But, you know, one, the hard truth is, you know, I want to talk about the Blitzkrieg, armored warfare. We've divested tanks. That was a, the deliberate decision made in the Commandant's planning guidance and force design. Where we are refocusing is looking at the, at the Pacific, at littoral operations, at naval integration. And so when you put things like, you know, Red Star over the Pacific, which looks at that whole thing from China, you know, the pacing threats perspective, that is probably more useful for your near-term operational environment than, than what German Panzers did in World War II. And you can still read about that, but uh, some of the books that are also still on the list capture the general themes and lessons from those very specific titles, 
in a general way. So the information is a loss, but you're not, you know, you don't have three books on the thing where you could do it with one, you know? So you want to talk about the innovation of armored warfare with Murray's military innovation in the interwar period, it's still on there. Right. And then some of the sort of broader doctrinal concepts are captured in MCDP one. So you're, you're getting the lessons just in a, in kind of a more manageable fashion. Um, and then you also look at, you know, a focus on talent management. I think uh, the leadership list has been greatly expanded and it also looks at focal points and demographic that have not been on past reading lists. So now you've got titles like women at war and hesitation kills looking at the experience of women in uniform, you know, during the, the global war on terror area here, which is probably more in, impactful than, um, again, I'm, I love once an Eagle, but like, that's not the experience of the bulk of people in uniform right now. The experience of the bulk of the people is, you know, is Iraq and Afghanistan. So there's your white donkey right there. That's your, your fictional narrative. And it's also that, you know, we have different demographics doing different things in actual combat zones that are simply not covered in those older titles. So let's talk about those instead of, you know, arguing whether or not Massengale and Damon is the better guy on there. And, uh, and a lot of things on the, the you know, the, the 21st century learning, we already talked a little bit about MCDP-7, but, uh, the, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there. MCDP-7 talks about the continuous gathering of new information, gaining activities that test your assumptions, developing new knowledge. And I'd argue the digital component of that list really gets after that because, you know, I know the goal is to sort of refresh the list on a, on a regular basis to keep it current and fresh, but we know that things in the, in the real world, they operate much faster. And we all know um, that from flash to bang to publish a book can, can be a multi-year process, right? So by having digital media, digital journals on there, podcasts, things like that, you're getting your Marines, you know, one to learn in, in different ways to absorb information like MCDP7 talks about, you know, the audio learner versus the, the text learner versus the visual learner, but also you're getting them that current information that we say that they need to operate in this fast-paced, rapidly changing environment, which, you know, a podcast, you know, you could, I could do that and have that out in 24 hours if I really, really wanted to on a current event. And some of the titles on our list do that. So you can get the current information on the current threats and developments recommended to you from the reading list rather than, you know, like reading a book that was published in 2017, 2018, which may be great, but it also may be overcome by events. You know, the OBE we talked about a lot too. Podcasts, digital journals, all that stuff gets you good information in the time that you need it in a, in a multitude of ways to absorb information. Um, so I think that all that stuff aligns with the, the things going into the force design and confidence planning guidance and 21st century learning. It'll be interesting to see. I am a, a big advocate that professional discussion is valuable. And so it'll be interesting to see as the year unfolds and people come to uh, spend some time with the new reading list or listening list development list and have some reactions to the new additions, the pieces that were removed that can create some, I think, very fruitful energy, even if there is some negative feelings associated with some of the texts that are coming off. Or I've also heard myself here, uh, not in this conversation, obviously, but in other venues, people really tie reading of books to intellectual development and there is some cynicism about the ability of digital media, podcasts, shorter pieces to help spark and sustain intellectual growth. So I also think that's going to be a good conversation over the coming year or two where we can really grapple with that challenge. 
Do you need to read a 300-page book in order to exercise your brain in important ways to meet today's challenges and future threats? Or can you, as you've suggested, Major Brown, you spend 20 minutes a day listening to a short podcast that's updated daily and still have that intellectual reflection and that synthesis of ideas as they develop over the course of a year or so? Can you still see that sustained intellectual growth? That'll be a discussion for a future podcast, but I think it's a really important facet of the evolution that the program has made this time. So we always end with the same question, and let me uh, let you off the hook to say your answer does not have to be one of the books on the Commandant's professional reading list, or one of the podcasts or other media, but what are you guys reading right now that our listeners should know about? And First Sergeant Cervantes, I'll start with you. So... I have read every book on the Commandant's professional reading list, and I like to go back and read, reread some of them because every time I read that, I tend to get something else. I pull something out, else out from it. So I read The Kill Chain, and I'm currently mm-hmm. working through that one again because, again, I just keep pulling out some really great information, and I get to take notes from it and, and just see it in a different perspective based off of what's going on in the world. And then for fun, I'm reading, it's called Creativity Incorporated, Overcoming the Unseen Forces That Stand in the Way of True Inspiration by Ed Catamull. And it's really the story of Pixar and Disney. And it's just fascinating how these two different companies merged and the creativity. And really, there's a lot of leadership lessons tied into that story. Oh, that's fantastic. And I'm going to just share for the listeners who might not know uh, that we are talking to First Sergeant Cervantes, soon to be Sergeant Major Cervantes. And I think you are a great job modeling for Marines that commitment to professional growth and development. And I am excited uh, to be able to call you by your new rank here before hopefully too long. Thank you, ma'am. Of course. Monica Maslowski, what about you? What are you reading right now? Well, first of all, congratulations for Sergeant Roth. Good to hear that news. What I just started reading, um, it actually relates to to your comments, Dr. Johnson. It's by uh, Nicholas Carr, and it's called What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. And, <laughs> I'm scared to hear. You know, like I said, I just started. <laughs> I just started reading it. You know, but it talks about what is what is the internet doing to our ability to to think critically and deeply. And I'm looking forward to to diving into it, especially after after this podcast, because we've talked about a lot of a lot of different things that make me want to go back and read something. <laughs> but that's what I've got on, on my table. Great. Major Brown? Well, I, uh, I read a lot of nerd stuff, which I'm not going to go into right now. Um, <laughs> but I will say that I've got, a, uh, I've got a pretty large pile of books on my home workspace right now, feeding into an article on the history of wargaming in the Marine Corps for the Journal of Advanced Military Studies for their call for papers on wargaming. There's some very interesting stuff in there about kind of how the U.S. as a whole was using war games to prepare for great power conflict back before World War II, but also some kind of inspirational stuff, not necessarily related to the U.S., but there's one that I've got. It's relatively new called A Game of Birds and Wolves, which is about this uh, this little-known unit of, uh, they were women auxiliaries in the British, British military, but they used war games, um, basically drawing chalk lines on a linoleum floor to develop counter-U-boat tactics in World War II. And they were attributed with um, really being able to sort of turn the tide against the wolf packs that were in the Atlantic and help the convoys get across. So to me, it's, it's this fascinating, like little piece of history that I never knew about. But it also shows you that you, you can do a lot with a little if you if you kind of frame it properly. And if they can beat U-boats with chalks and 
linoleum tiles, then there's a lot you can do with, uh, you know, to, to learn things with the minimal resources. So it's, it's a very interesting story. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So I will uh, tell our listeners, You, I had mentioned already that we're going to do an episode with Max Uriarte on White Donkey, and we've got another one coming up with the author of Hesitation Kills, and we'll do, we'll pepper in uh, a series of these episodes with the different authors from the Commandant's reading list over the course of the next year or so to help our listeners familiarize themselves with some of these new titles and maybe identify the books that you yourself would like to listen to. So ladies, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. If you'd like to keep up with the good work of Marine Corps University, please follow us on social media at at Marine Corps U. Special thanks to our intrepid producer, Jen Patcha Howell. I'm your host, Becky Johnson. Thank you for listening to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically minded, innovative podcast of Marine Corps University.